At the intersection of business, technology, and people is Connected Futures, your guide to business success. In recent years, Africa has laid the foundation for a digital transformation, one that promises to unleash the full force of its talent and economic potential. But despite progress, the online universe of ideas and opportunity remains out of reach for up to 60% of people across the continent. One way to bridge the gap is public Wi-Fi. Increasingly, it's the last mile solution for connecting poor or remote Africans to the broadband networks that have spread since 2009, when the first major submarine fiber cables reached the continent's shores. And it's spurring growth in everything from telemedicine and education to tech startups and small businesses. Hi, this is Kevin Delaney for Connected Futures. I spoke with a number of experts with hands-on experience in connecting the unconnected in Africa, particularly through Wi-Fi. Here's Steve Song, a communications entrepreneur who's written extensively about connectivity in Africa. Once you gain access to fiber, well, your big challenge is, is you know, uh, gaining access to spectrum to be able to deliver those services. Across the continent, low-cost or free public Wi-Fi services are filling the void. As tech giants and startups alike find innovative solutions for the unique challenges that Africa presents. Along the way, they're helping to jumpstart a far-reaching cultural and economic transformation. Olakunle Olaruntamehan is the general manager in Nigeria for Cisco, which has partnered with Google, governments, service providers, and startups to help expand public Wi-Fi. We are seeing the need for deeper internet penetration and broadband penetration uh, 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 as, a, as, a, as an effect of the need to increase economic growth, you know, because there's a direct correlation uh, between broadband penetration and GDP growth. And most governments are aware of that. Uh, and governments are beginning to continue to spend money on public Wi-Fi to be able to drive more government-type services, improve citizens' engagement, uh, and uh, as well as, more importantly, uh, provide more productivity as a result of, uh, you know, offering public Wi-Fi. And that's the incentive for government to do that. With its shorter range but lower cost and higher bandwidth than most cellular networks, Wi-Fi fits the bill for many applications, both urban and rural. Here's Stephen Song again. Wi-Fi um, turns out to be a, you know, super cheap and uh, super powerful technology. And it, it's something that, you know, it was, um, it was good in 2009, but it's just gotten better and better over the years. So um, both in terms of performance of what, you know, the kind of capacity that can be delivered over a, you know, a license exempt spectrum link, um, but also in the, in the, in the cost, you know, the, the uh, costs have, uh, have come down. Wi-Fi has gotten cheaper and cheaper for better and better equipment. And also it's gotten easier to deploy. One company that's translating these low costs to users is Brick, a Nairobi-based startup that's extending to Rwanda and other African countries. It combines a ruggedized router data center with a Wi-Fi network platform called Moja. 
The goal, according to BRIC CEO Eric Herzman, is to reach frontier markets, whether in fast-growing megacities or in isolated villages. If there's a technology change that we need to think about in Africa, it's that we can't just copy and paste the normal connectivity uh, infrastructure paradigm from the, from the global north to Africa. We don't have the same infrastructure, and so it doesn't make sense that we're going to have the same terrestrial pipes everywhere. And, mm. and that means that we need to think of not just having a centralized data center in the capital and serving the whole country, um, but having really uh, a distributed network of, of smaller uh, nodes that really become that content delivery system. And um, so each one of those nodes can stand alone. And we do a ton of, of, of caching and content storage at the edge now. Um, and when I say at the edge, I mean really at the edge. We're in the furthest rural areas. Uh, we're inside of public transportation. Uh, you know, we're all over the place. And that allows us to store and cache data at the very edge, which makes a great user experience um, for the customer, our, our consumer. When it comes to Wi-Fi in Africa, Business innovation is as important as tech innovation, Herzman believes. And then um, also gives us a business model that allows us to give that internet away for free. Um, the way we do that is the, the business customers of ours at Brick pay us to cache their content. And this could be video content, it could be app downloads or storage, and, um, and that offsets the price of the internet for the consumer. Power the people, with or without reliable power. With challenges that range from extreme heat and monsoon rains to corruption and power outages, Africa can be a tough environment for any internet solution. Unreliable power grids are one of BRIC's biggest obstacles, according to Herzman. When people look at what we do, they sometimes get lost in the connectivity side of things. And I'd say we probably spend about almost as much time on power as we do on connectivity. Um, Power, it comes in many forms here, um, very little of it clean. And so we have to think through things like what happens when there's a brownout, what happens when there's a power spike. Brick's gear is equipped with up to 10 hours of backup battery power, along with protection against surges, which in the past have literally fried routers. Tizeti is a Lagos, Nigeria startup that uses solar-powered Wi-Fi towers to expand its reach. Lately, it's drawn interest from Silicon Valley venture capitalists while forging a partnership with Facebook. And it's moving beyond Nigeria to Ghana and other countries. Here's Kendall Anani of Tizeti. We decided to go a different route um, because we were pretty much outside us to the industry. So we, we looked at everything from a different set, different, um, we looked at everything from different lenses and we're like, the way to get to, to get the most impact out of this is to do things differently and question everything the way things are being done in the industry as a whole. Tessetti's approach to electricity is a great example of that kind of out-of-the-box thinking, as Ananya said. First challenge is power. Energy access is still a big problem. It's a big problem in Nigeria or in some other countries, even improved, but Nigeria still has um, an energy access problem. For us, running our towers, each of our towers uh, are being internet kilometers radius would require powers round the clock and the typical approach from a telco is to actually use generators we got innovative on that we use solar power to generate electricity for our, our towers 
There's also huge savings in doing that because we don't have to deal with the cost of diesel, cost of maintaining generators. So using solar power and um, and battery backup helps us. In our, so in our situation, if we now have um, two sources for the tower, so the public utility becomes a backup and the solar is the main main source of power. We use to power the tower. It's a good um, nine months in a year, but three months where we have the rainy season, that is where you have um, a lower reliability because then we have to truck batteries to the location when, when we see that there's not a lot of sunlight. But if you compare that to having to truck diesel to each of these towers, you can see that you can you already tell that there's huge benefit in going with solar power. In offering a range of free to low-cost options, Tizetti is impacting a wide swath of users while accelerating business development within the range of its towers. The first uh, category of people that have the most impact is the startups. Most of the venture-backed startups, even new startups that have not been funded, would look to Tizetti as a first source of internet, right? And they use that to run their business. They use that to access any of the cloud services that they have. Education and medicine, where they're needed most. Like internet users everywhere, Africans want to connect with family and friends while accessing entertainment, music, sports, and so on. And public Wi-Fi is spreading the wealth in all kinds of places by reaching people who would otherwise be shut out. Here's Stephen's song. It, literally anywhere where people cluster, so that's that can be a you know, uh, uh, a shopping mall, a petrol station, a grocery store, uh, you know, a matatu in Kenya. Um, it's, uh, you know, any public square, um, any government building, all of these things are, are ripe for, um, for the location of, uh, of Wi-Fi services. And it's happening. I mean, it's just astounding just how many Wi-Fi announcements there have been in the last two years across the African continent. I mean, it's, it's quite incredible. But for many, public Wi-Fi is also a lifeline to the outside world, especially in regions where infant and child mortality remain stubbornly high. Cisco and its partners, for example, have piloted a telemedicine project from Gertrude's Children's Hospital in Nairobi, Kenya, connecting far-flung villages with expert real-time medical advice. Here's David Bunai, Cisco's country manager for East Africa. Yeah, we've seen a couple of uh, hospitals taking up telemedicine. So we've got one hospital here called Katrus Children Hospital. Um, they are specialists in the city of Nairobi that treat children, pediatric hospital, and they treat children uh, on common, you know, you know, kids have all these common um, uh, ailments. But they've expanded that to other towns that are beyond reach of doctors, specialized doctors. So they're doing telemedicine. So they've opened up like three sites in this one year where they're doing telemedicine with, with uh, some of our partners at Cisco. And, and this could not have happened without, you know, having connectivity and Wi-Fi in some of those locations. Education is another area in which Wi-Fi can change lives, especially considering that 38% of adult Africans are illiterate, according to UNESCO. Gordon Feller is the founder of Meeting of the Minds, a knowledge-sharing platform for connected technologies and smart cities. Really, the, the key to getting more equitable access to education and skills and job training is going to be the out-of-school 
out-of-classroom opportunities that public Wi-Fi creates. So suddenly you have the potential for the income inequality problem to be addressed. Uh, and getting people to and from a classroom, you know, can be a real trial, especially when that's time that they could be spent studying or working. So if we can deliver the learning to where the student and the learner is and provide a reliable, you know, uh, pipe for the interactive learning and not just the one-way broadcast learning, this is something which is really new. As Cisco's David Bunai added, even those who lack literacy can expand their horizons. We, we now see people who can know how to use WhatsApp and they don't know how to read and write. So it, it just tells you the impact of what technology can do in, in, in impacting societies in a way that we've never been able to do in formal education. And, and so what we see is, is the ability for simple applications like WhatsApp being able to have a video that has a training or a music or they can record something and share that among the groups. A vast frontier market, rife with opportunity. When hundreds of millions of people are shut off from the internet, their talent, perspective, and dynamism are lost to the world. But David Bonai of Cisco called public Wi-Fi a game changer, particularly for women in rural areas. I think the reality is that um, organizations like maybe Facebook and Google have seen that as, as obviously the opportunity to expand and, and, and that footprint of, of visibility in, of, 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 the, of their platforms. But I think in the process, they are creating um, a whole new transformation of societies. And, and as such, I think women are in the center of that. The more we have lower cost devices that are ability to access Wi-Fi, um, forget about 3G, 4G, I think the more we will see society shifting in economically and, and as well as socially. Many women are taking advantage of this digital empowerment to start their own businesses, Benai added. The power of um, application like WhatsApp is, is it cannot be um, as quantified. Um, the access to these new apps that are really driving communication and training and knowledge transfer, um, they are creating a whole new opportunity for the community. And I think women by, by far, and, and in this part of the world, there is um, community. Communities are still very tightly integrated. So if there are women uh, creating a business together, they use these platforms now to communicate, to share information, and to literally educate the, the, the groups that are present now, they are, they are part of. Um, what we see even uh, more powerful is fundraising. So they're able to do fundraising on, on, on the platform like WhatsApp and, and support each other on, on, on a project and give each other loans within the groups and, and kind of see who is paying and who is not paying based on, on a, a platform like WhatsApp. And I think this is just the beginning of an, a revolution in terms of what internet can do for society. Public Wi-Fi is also sowing the seeds for a huge potential market, and smart companies are looking ahead. Here's Eric Herzman of Brick. Certain companies who move 
kind of forward on this early and think about their business model as it applies to frontier markets. Yeah. Um, and, and, they, and a lot of them need to because while there's kind of good low-hanging fruit in the currently connected, um, you know, West, that connected population will be absolutely dwarfed by the frontier market internet users coming on board over the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. So if you're running one of these platforms and you think, oh, we're fine because we make a lot of money, you know, doing whatever we do for, for Europe and the U.S., you're going to be very surprised and in a, in a very disappointed way on how you are displaced by people who are building the platforms to serve this other new influx of users. And I don't think they're going to come from the normal places in the world. I think, you know, there'll be some Latin American giants or obviously Asian giants as well. And, you know, possibly some African ones. You know, obviously Brick is trying to position itself to ourselves to be in a, in a good place for that. But, um, you know, the, I don't think the, the chapter has been written yet. Meanwhile, Google, SpaceX, Facebook and others are looking at future solutions for underserved areas including high-altitude balloons, swarms of microsatellites, and solar-powered drones, all designed to beam connectivity across wide swaths of the African continent. But whatever the technical solutions, the intentions are similar, as Eric Herzman concludes. Building the on-ramp for the Internet is step one. Uh, Building the access to the global digital economy is, is the end goal. This is Kevin Delaney for Connected Futures. My very special thanks to the great guests who contributed their insights to this report. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. For more insights, analysis, and the voice of thought leaders, go to the Connected Futures online magazine at connectedfutures.com.